Jesus Christ. And we praise you for this Easter morning, for the sunrise uh, that woke us up, for the breath of your spirit in our lungs and uh, your life coursing through our veins, for beating hearts and uh, for the gift of living and moving and breathing in your kingdom. God, we praise you for what you've done in our lives, for your faithfulness each and every day for walking with us each morning, each week, for for celebrating another year of life for Shanjit and Desi and Sue, for how your gifts among us are made known through Jesus Christ, who is the word made flesh among us, lifted high. We trust, God, that you are working good in our midst, though we may be scattered, uh, though some may need to worship from home for reasons of health or old age, and we think especially of Marilyn and Thelma and Mike, of Dave and Polly and June and Tom and Flora. And we ask that you bind us together. Bind us together as one body who calls on Jesus Christ as our Lord, who who know the risen Savior and who live his call in the world. Lord, we we thank you and praise you for that. And we pray for your continued blessing among us in the lives of each of us. Uh, For those who suffer pain and illness, we pray your comfort and healing. We pray for Alan Joyce and June for Joby and Joellen and Larry, for Pastor Carl and Andy and Tom and Bob and Kyle, for Zach and for his healing in his brain and body, for recovery and rehabilitation, for his movement and his speech as he continues to uh, uh, heal. We pray for an end to the seizures. We pray that you continue to work healing in our midst and work your healing touch through your spirit, your spirit of comfort and of grace. Be with those who mourn in this time. It can be a hard time sometimes in holidays. We miss those who we've lost. And we pray that your spirit comfort us. Be with especially Patsy and the Holacek family, uh, the Veenstras and and others who've lost loved ones in this year, the the Hastings and the Bolheis family and Gronings. We pray that you continue to bless us by your spirit in our midst. We pray for healing for Carl. And we pray that you continue to guide us as we uh, seek to serve you in the world, that you open our ears to hear your word. As we come to the word of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, may we recognize him. May we hear his whisper and, and respond to his call to proclaim the good news that he is risen. We pray this in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we come to God's word today, we come to the Gospel of John, chapter 20. We've been in John since uh, the beginning of this year, following along with Jesus. And now we hear the story of the resurrection from John 20, beginning in verse 1. I'll be reading from the New International Version. The words are on screen, though I invite you to open a pew Bible or a device if you have one handy. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark... Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. And then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb, and he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, 
separate from the linen. And finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside and he saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over into the tomb And she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. And at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know, she did not realize that it was Jesus And he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? And thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told him, told them all the things that he had said, that that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I heard a story once about a pastor who on Easter morning sat down on the steps and called the kids forward and asked them a question. And he said, what do you think were the first words that came out of Jesus' mouth on Easter morning? And, and there was a little boy who instantly jumped up and raised his arms high and shouted, Ta-da! <laughs> and, and that's why I like sometimes doing children's messages, because you never know what kids are going to do. And, and sometimes they are so close to the truth. And sometimes they are so far away. Because Jesus' resurrection day begins not with a ta-da on Easter morning. Jesus didn't make a spectacle or a show. He didn't proclaim it from the rooftops or on a stage. There was no crowd or, or lights and smoke and music. There was nothing to attract anyone to him. Even his closest friends who were there at the grave were confused. No, Jesus' resurrection day begins with a whisper. But it ends with a shout. It begins with a whisper, but ends with a shout. It begins in darkness and quiet, but it shines out with the light of the dawn. It starts small and grows from there. And the resurrection story begins in darkness with Mary Magdalene early on the first day of the week. She's up before dawn. She's up when it's still a little bit dark out, but you can just barely see where you're going. And that Sabbath day before she's spent in mourning and in grief from dusk to dusk. And after two long nights, Mary goes to the tomb. 
And it's quiet that early in the morning, quiet before dawn, before anyone else is up and about, and she carefully moves down the alleys and pathways to get to the tomb. And in the Gospel of John, we see she is alone in the quiet. And we don't know why she goes to the tomb. John doesn't tell us. Maybe she needed to anoint the body. Uh, That's what Luke says. Uh, Maybe she had some helpers along to help her do that. Maybe she just wanted to check on things. Maybe she suspected that someone might come and take Jesus' body. Maybe she just wanted to sit by the grave and cry. Maybe she just needed to be close to Jesus. And whatever the reason, when she arrives at the tomb, the stone is gone. And that tomb probably would have been this low chamber cut out into the cliff, this limestone, soft limestone that you can kind of chip away with a a tool. And in there, there might have been uh, two or three benches low to the ground where they would lay a body to decompose. One, two, three benches. And in the middle, a space for the family to be, perhaps a little niche at the back for, for memories or bones. And then in the front, a stone to keep out the wild animals and the grave robbers. That's the kind of tomb where Jesus would have been. And and as she comes to the tomb, she notices the stone is gone, and anyone can see that from the outside. But she doesn't go into the tomb yet. But the stone is gone for a reason. The stone is gone because of this reason we'll see later of witness. The stone needs to be gone for people to know that Jesus is not there. And she doesn't know why this has happened. She doesn't know what has happened, but she comes to a conclusion based on how she thinks the world works. Jesus' body is gone. Someone has opened the tomb. Someone's taken him away, and this spurs her into quick action. She runs off to get help. And in this pre-dawn dark, she moves carefully, but now it's just getting light enough to run, and so she dashes off to where the disciples are staying, Peter and the beloved disciple And she gets them and she breathlessly whispers to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. And this is the first word of the resurrection. It's a word spoken in the dark, in fear and urgency. It's words of confusion and uncertainty. It's words whispered loud enough to wake Peter and John and it's words that spur them into action too. And like Mary, they dash off to the tomb and she follows them maybe a bit out of breath this time. Because the resurrection is a race, too. Resurrection morning is a runner's sprint to the tomb. And the beloved disciple here makes a point of saying that he got to the tomb first. Now, uh, traditionally, we we call this guy John, because he's probably the one who wrote this gospel. And he seems to want us to be very clear that he won the race. He's probably much younger than Peter, maybe even still a teenager full of youth and speed. And Peter went into the tomb, true, but I was there first. How typical of the disciples. See, years later when they write down these stories, when they make their accounts of the gospel, each one of them wants to be the first, even on resurrection day. And John pauses outside of the tomb, maybe wondering what has happened. And he looks in and he sees the cloths that were wrapped around Jesus' body, but he does not yet go in. And that gives Peter a chance to be who he's been all along. Peter is the one who stumbles headlong into the tomb. Peter is the one who goes right in, who says what he thinks without a second thought. He doesn't wait for everyone, but he dives right in, doing and saying whatever comes to mind first. And inside the tomb, 
What Peter sees is confusing. He, he sees a, a cocoon of linen wrappings w- without a body in them. He sees a, like a shell of an insect that has molted away. The body is missing. The, the linen is left behind. And stranger still, that special cloth that wrapped Jesus' head has been folded and set at the head. It is not it is, it is not even touching the body wrappings. And this does not appear to be the work of grave robbers or, or unless they were really, really careful criminals. They would have ripped the cloths or cut them open to get at the valuables and left everything behind in a mess. On the other hand, this doesn't appear to be foul play either. The, the Romans or the religious leaders would have taken the whole body, cloths and all, and put it somewhere else. And this whole story reminds us a bit of Lazarus just a few weeks before. Lazarus, the the brother of Mary Magdalene, the one who was raised from the dead, when he came out of the tomb, he was still wrapped in all of those linen wrappings and he still had the head covering on his body. But Jesus, Jesus' body is free from the bondage of death. Jesus' body does not have the wrappings around it. Jesus' body is not covered by head. No, Jesus is risen and free. But John doesn't know that yet. John goes into the tomb and he sees the linen wrappings and he sees the folded headcloth and the author of the gospel, maybe it's John himself, tells us that he sees and believes. But what does he believe? Because he makes a point of telling us that he and Peter still did not get it. They still did not understand the scriptures. They still didn't expect the resurrection. No one did. So what does he believe in this moment? Well, maybe he just believes Mary's report. Maybe he believes that the body is gone. Maybe he trusts Mary's words. They have taken the Lord from his tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Maybe, though, maybe this is the beginning of true faith. But it is not the full gospel, the full good news yet. Why? Because Peter and John go away. Because Peter and John are not changed by what they see. The the empty tomb isn't enough for them to proclaim the resurrection. And, And here's the most generous interpretation I've heard. Maybe these two disciples who had recently witnessed Lazarus rise from the dead, maybe they believed that Jesus could do the same thing. Maybe they believed that Jesus could indeed and had indeed risen from the dead but they don't know what it means. They don't understand how a dying and rising Messiah transforms the whole story of Scripture into one big good news. I know these disciples, John and Peter, they go back to where they were staying. And later that day, we'll find them locked behind closed doors in fear of what has happened and, and wondering what might happen to them. They go home to whisper about what has happened to the other disciples. They've taken the Lord from his tomb. His body is gone, but the cloths were still there, and we don't know where they have taken him. In a sense, many people, I think, are still where the disciples were that morning, whispering in the dark, wondering but unsure of what has happened. They see the empty tomb, but they know that death is real and that bodies don't just go missing. They they know, they may have heard the scriptures or heard about Jesus rising from the dead, but it is not enough because the empty tomb is obvious. The evidence is clear. People don't rise from the dead, so Jesus didn't. Case closed. But the story is not so simple. Because it starts with a whisper, not with a ta-da. It starts with confusion, not clarity. And sadly, for many people, it ends there. 
Even for those who believe, like Peter and John, sometimes that story stays in whispers. Like those disciples who had every reason to believe, every reason to hope that their Lord is not dead. Even they stayed in whispers, in the dark, behind closed doors. And for those of us who believe, who whisper the truth of the resurrection, but dare not go out and proclaim it, we're still like the disciples, believing, but not doing what the resurrection requires. And what it requires is not just a whisper, but a shout. What it requires is proclamation, witness, gospel, preaching, and that is where Mary Magdalene comes in. Oh, Mary. Where is Mary when the two disciples leave? Well, she stays by the grave. She lingers. She grieves. And it's her willingness to wait in the wailing, to remain in the mourning, to linger in the longing that puts her in the right place to meet the risen Savior. First, though, she sees two angels. Now, didn't the disciples see them? Didn't they see those two angels sitting right there at the head and the foot? Or did they just rush in looking for what they thought they might see and not see what was truly there? But Mary stayed. Mary saw them seated like cherubim, one at the head and one at the foot of Jesus. And they mark out the holy space where Jesus' body is not anymore. How God's holiness is no longer contained in a box in the temple. No, it is found in the body of the risen Jesus because he is risen indeed. And the the angels ask Mary why she's crying. And again, she repeats that same thing she told to the disciples They have taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they have put him. And then Mary turns and sees Jesus. But she doesn't recognize him yet. She she is caught up in her grief, caught up in the way the world works. She can't see who he really is yet. Maybe it's the tears in her eyes. But Jesus' first words from the grave are full of compassion. He says, woman, Why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Whom do you seek? Is she looking for her dead friend? Or is she looking for the risen Messiah? Because that makes all the difference. But Mary still assumes that he is someone else, that he's a gardener in the cemetery, and she tries to get him to help her find the body. And Jesus again shows her compassion in one word, Mary. A Mary, a word perhaps whispered, a name quietly spoken in the early morning light. And that is all it takes. Jesus has said before, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. And Mary in that very moment recognizes him and she cries out, Rabboni, which means my teacher, this, this term of endearment. And possession. And she turns her body toward him and tries to hold on to him, maybe to his feet and maybe to an outstretched hand. And this is her teacher and her Lord, and he was dead and now he is risen. But Jesus won't let her grasp him, won't let her hold on to, won't let her cling to him. It's a confusing bit of this story, but if you think about it, it makes sense. Of course she would want to do that. Anyone would. If, if someone you loved so much came back from the dead, you would never let them go. You would say, nope, I'm not letting go. You're coming with me. But she can't. Because Jesus does not belong to her any more than he belongs to any one of us. He belongs with the Father. And that is where he is going. 
And that's where Mary's resurrection story changes. It changes from a whisper to a shout. And she begins proclaiming the good news that the disciples wouldn't. She runs back to the disciples and she preaches the first sermon, the first good news to the apostles. I have seen the Lord. She's seen him. She's recognized him. She knows him. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And just like these disciples who long before had began to follow John back in chapter 1, Jesus back in John chapter 1, they were the ones who kept on inviting one another to come and see, could this be the Messiah? Could this be the one we're waiting for and looking for? Jesus has revealed himself throughout the gospel in word and deed and miracles and wonders and teaching, but none of it makes sense without the resurrection. I have seen the Lord, shouts Mary. I have seen him. He is here. And the good news begins with a whisper, but it ends with a shout. That's how it's always been in in my own life, too. I I remember lying on the top bunk in the room I shared with my brother in the Dominican Republic, uh, thinking about my seventh grade teacher, Joani Peña. And she'd taught us Bible class for two years, and by the end of two years, she had run out of things to teach. And so for that last month of the year, she started teaching us what she was learning in adult Bible study at school. We learned uh, the uh, big things like the order of salvation and the uh, words like justification and sanctification. We learned the big ideas. And and that night, as I lay there in awe at the Trinity, at God who is three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and how this God is all-knowing, all-seeing, all-loving, all-merciful, all-powerful, if this is who God is, and if this God has known me since before I was born, then this is the God that I would love and seek and follow and see and recognize all of my life. The Spirit spoke in a whisper to my heart, James, you are mine. And then that whisper becomes a shout. I have seen the Lord. Because to proclaim the good news like Mary did is what we're all here for. Whether in mission or preaching or everyday life, we proclaim the good news. I have seen the Lord, and and it may start with a whisper. It may start with a small word. That's fine. It always does. The good news begins small, not with a big ta-da. No, it starts with a whisper. Christ is risen. Christ is risen, but it becomes a shout. I have seen the Lord. And that's why we we hear the good news every week and every day. So we can proclaim it again and again and again. I have seen the Lord. So we, we can recognize and see and know Jesus, the risen Savior. And so we can say to others, I have seen the Lord. We invite others with a whisper, come and see And then we loudly shout and proclaim, I have seen the Lord. He is risen indeed in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. O risen Savior, Jesus Christ, we worship you and praise you. For by your cross, you have redeemed the world. And you have risen from the dead. You are not dead, but risen indeed. We praise you and thank you for that that whisper on Easter morning to Mary and to all of us calling us by name and giving us your presence, the good news of your body resurrected among us. 
and, and giving us that shout to proclaim to the world, I have seen the Lord. Oh, give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to know and love and recognize you for who you are, our risen Messiah. And to know the, the, the big story of what you have, are done, have done and are doing and will do to redeem the whole world and draw all things to yourself. We praise you and thank you, O oh Lord. And Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.